great. How many of you guys like sports? I mean, if you are a sports lover, this is the time. I mean, we have hockey, we have football, baseball World Series going on, we got soccer leagues that are happening, we have hockey, everything is happening except for one of my favorite sports, Nordic skiing is actually not happening yet, but snow is coming. Snow is coming, and listen, just this, I saw this on Facebook, if you choose not to find joy in the snow, you will have less joy in your life, but still the same amount of snow. <laughs> now, who's that person, when you're playing a sport, who's that person that stands on the sidelines and helps the team to do the very best that they can? Who is that person? Cheerleaders, Cheerleaders but I'm thinking of somebody who helps direct things. The coach, the coach. And you know what, Pastor Nick was talking about the body of Christ a couple of weeks ago, and he said that the, uh, the body of Christ is like a team. And you know what, who's the head of the body of Christ? Jesus, and Jesus is like our coach. Now what would happen if the coach tells the players, this is what we're gonna do for our play, and the players just decide, yeah, we're not gonna do that, we're gonna do whatever we wanna do. Is the team gonna be very successful? I don't think so. Well, our head coach, the head of the body of Christ, tells us how we can be most successful in living out a battle that everyone is in. We're going to be talking about this battle. In fact, thank you, Kizzy, for reading that. This battle that we're in is a life and death battle, and it tells us right here in God's Word, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, and it says to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, it's important we hide God's word in our hearts, so I want you all to please stand. We're going to work on this verse so that it's in our hearts and in our minds. So we're going to say the reference first, we'll say the verse, and then we're going to say the reference. Here we go. Ephesians 6, 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6, 11. Have a seat. Now, the Bible actually is made up of two parts. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament. Testament really means promise. In the Old Testament, which is in the back part of the Bible, that is a promise that God gave us because the world is messed up. And as we look around the world today, things don't look great, do they? And that's because of sin. Sin came into the world. God promised that he was going to fix that for us. And the Old Testament tells about how God was going to send his promised Savior to fix the problem of sin. The New Testament is all about Jesus, God's promise, and how he sent Jesus. Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died for our sin and he took care of that. And then it also tells us how we can live for Christ and grow to be like him. So that's the New Testament. So our verse today is found in the New Testament. It actually is part of a letter a man named Paul wrote to the church. The church was in the city of Ephesus. And it's, here's the amazing thing. Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago, and it was true for the church back then. And you know what? It's true today. 2,000 years old, and it's still true. That's because it's God's word, and God's word is always true. Let's all stand up and let's say that verse together again, starting with the reference. Ephesians 6, 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6, 11. Have a seat. Now let's just talk about that. Paul is telling us we need to put on the whole armor of God. 
What does a coach do? When a coach sends his players out there, he makes sure the, the players have all the equipment they need to have on to play that game successfully and to be safe. Well, God has done that for everyone who is his child. He has given us this armor that we can wear in a battle that we are all in for our very lives. And we, how do we do this? The next one says that you may be able to stand. We see, if we don't put on the whole armor when we're in this battle, how are we going to withstand what's going to happen? We're going to want to turn, turn away and flee. But God tells us to stand, to withstand. And so who's our enemy in this battle? Well, that's what the next part of the verse says. Against the scheme of the devil. The devil is actually Satan. Now, Satan is a real being. He was once an angel. He wanted to be higher than God. God said, no, nothing is more glorious or greater than I am. And so he kicked him out of heaven. And you know what? Satan hates God. He hates everything God's created, and he hates you and I. And how does he do? What does he do? He, he has schemes. Schemes are just tricks. They're lies. They're, they're deceptions. He wants us not to believe what God says. So our verse says we need to put on the whole armor of God, not just part of it. We need to put on all of it daily. Why? So that we can stand against the lies, the, the schemes of Satan. Let's all stand up. We're going to say that verse again. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6, 11, have a seat. Now, if you're here today and you have trusted Jesus as your personal savior, God has given you this armor that you can put on. But it says you need to put the whole armor on, not just the parts that you like. We have to put it all on every day, all the time. It's so important that we consciously think about doing this because this is what God has given us so that we can stand. But if you're here today, you've never trusted in Jesus as your personal savior, it's sad to say that you don't have that armor. You have nothing to protect you against the lies of Satan. But you can have that. You listen today, and you're going to find out how you can be protected against Satan, and God can give you his armor that you can wear on a daily basis. Stand up with me. Let's say this one more time together, and then we're going to keep practicing it. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6, 11. All right. Now, have a seat. Now, we've got to really learn this verse, okay? So we're going to play a game called volume control, all right? So my arm is the volume control. Now, if my arm goes up, we're going to say it really loud. But if it comes down low, we're going to say it softly, okay? This is a no more 20 voice. This is loud. This is quiet, okay? All right, so here we go. We're going to start out at a normal tone of voice. Ephesians 6, 11. Put on the whole armor God, that ye may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6, 11. Very good. Somebody else want to come up and be the volume control person? You want to? You can. You want to? You can come up. All right. All right. Do we need it anymore? Do we need to see it? Can we do it? Let's blank the slide out. We'll go to the next slide. 
I bet you guys could say it. Ready? No, no words. You guys got it. Ready? Ephesians 6, 11. Put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6, 11. You guys, awesome. Remember, hide your, God's word in your heart so that you always have it, so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. All right. I had some friends that were going to come. Doofus, what are you doing? We are supposed to be going to war against the Gauls. You cannot go dressed like that. But Smarticus, I thought you said we was going to the store. <laughs> Why would two Roman soldiers be going to the store? Well, I do need a toga for the gladiator ball this Friday. No, no, no. We are going to war in 10 minutes. What? You can't go like that. You need, you need a helmet for protection. You need to protect your head. Although I'm not sure how much good it will do. Well, what do you have? I got this. Lock and load. Do you think it'll work? <sighs> sure, you'll never feel those rocks bouncing off of your head. Oh, good. I was afraid it wouldn't work. Okay, okay. You need a breastplate to cover your heart, to protect you. What do you have? Well, I got this. What? Right here. What is that? That's an arc reactor. <laughs> I've wanted one for a couple years now, but they ain't invented yet but at least I won't be cold. Oh yes, that's, that's what every soldier's worried about, being cold. Well, I'm pretty smart that I packed it then. <laughs> I, I have nothing to say in regards to that. Okay, look, you need a belt. I, I got a belt right here. See, it helps me keep my pants up. <laughs> yes, but you need to be able to hold a rope and, and a sword, and all your weapons. But Smarticus, why do we need all that stuff if we're going shopping? <sighs> I need an aspirin. Okay. <clears throat> um, Duvicus, you cannot go to war wearing flip-flops. Why? Because you need to protect your feet. Why? Because if your feet aren't protected, you can't go where you need to go and do what you need to do. And um, <clears throat> we march behind the horses. Oh. 
All right. What are you going to do to protect yourself? You need a shield to shield you against all those arrows. And, and you need a sword to fight with. What are you going to use? I got a notebook that's almost as good as a shield. And, and I got a pen. And you know what they say? The pen is mightier than the sword. Great. You can tell that to the guy coming at you with a five-foot sword. Maybe he'll laugh himself to death. Oh. All right. We got to get going. This is ridiculous. All right. You have to come, and you have to follow me closely. And whatever you do, don't take that bag into battle. Okay, Smarticus. You know, you're pretty smart. Uh, is that how you got your name? Come on. <laughs> so, but what's wrong with my bag? All right. Well, Doofakis is going to have problems in the, for, in the battle that he's going to face, you know. And, you know, battles are serious things. They're kind of scary, too. I've been to some of the battlefields around America. I've been to Gettysburg. I've stood on Little Round Top. I've stood at the high water mark where Pickett's Charge was stopped. I've actually gone to the other side, and I've looked across, and I've kind of imagined myself, like, in that charge. You know, I, you know how did those men have the courage to do that? I don't know. But, you know, you and I are in a battle every day. Whether we choose to want it or not, we're in that battle. And our Heavenly Father, our, our head, Christ, has given us instructions on how we can survive in that battle. And we just talked about that. Ephesians 6.11 says we need to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And so, listen, I'm going to go over each part of the armor quickly because my time is melting away quickly. And so I have different parts of armor um, in picture up here. And you saw Miss Heather wearing it, but I need a volunteer to come up and pick a piece, and then I'll talk about that piece. Oh, I have a volunteer. All right. Thank you, Amelia. Pick one. All right. Not that one. No, just kidding. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, no, you're great. Have a seat. I'm sorry. No, Amelia picked, she picked the helmet of salvation. I'm going to hang it up right here. The helmet of salvation. Wow, that's, that's super important, and it's a great place for us to start. Why would you want to wear the helmet of salvation? Who wants to wear a helmet anyways? It's going to mess up your hair. I mean, who wants to have helmet head after going, you know? But what would happen today if an NFL player choose to go out and play without his helmet on? Would he play very long? Uh-uh. His head would get crushed. And what is inside of our head that's super important to protect? Our brain or our mind, okay? So Paul calls this the helmet of salvation. So what is salvation all about? Well, salvation means that we're saved from the punishment of sin. Now, that means we got to talk about something. What is sin? Thanks for asking. Sin is anything that we think, we say, or we do that breaks God's laws. The Bible says that every single one of us has broken God's law. In fact, it says in 
the book of Ecclesiastes, listen, surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. We all have a sin problem. In fact, we are all born in sin. We're born in sin. We, and nobody had to sit down and teach us how to tell a lie, how to cheat at a game, how to cheat at a test, how to want what other people have. That, that, that's called coveting. How to think of ourselves and get that, that parking spot before that other person gets in that parking spot. But nobody does that here. I know that. Yeah. Or, you know, to be self-centered. We don't have to be taught that. It all comes naturally. Because we're all born in sin. And because we're born in sin, we have this sin problem. And God knows that we have that sin problem. And God doesn't want us to be in this sin problem. And there's nothing that we can do about it. So God, he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus came to earth as a baby. And he grew up. And when he came to earth, he was completely God and completely man. And not ever once did he ever sin. And as God, he knew God's law. God's law says that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. That means unless something or someone perfect dies for us, our sin can't be forgiven. So you know what Jesus did? Jesus willingly allowed evil men to take and nail him to the cross. They put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And he hung up on that cross. And while he was hanging on that cross, God took him and he took our sin and he poured upon out upon his son Jesus. The Bible says this, he, God, made him Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So God took our sin and placed it all upon Jesus and then he took Jesus' righteousness and he gives it to us who choose to believe in him. And when we choose to believe that Jesus is God, that he died for our sins and, oh, he died on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he came back to life to prove that he is God, because only God can give his life away and three days later give himself life again. And when we believe that, we have salvation. So salvation is being saved from the punishment of our sin, but it's also more than that. It also means that we're saved from the guilt of sin and having to continue in sin. When we accept Jesus as our personal Savior, we have the right standing before God, and when, it means that God doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees Christ's righteousness in us. And so when we're saved, we're also given the power to say no to sin. And we do that because our minds are transformed. We become a new, creature, new creation, and our minds are transformed. And so what does the helmet do? It protects our mind. Our mind includes our thought life. It's that part of us that no one can see but God. God knows everything that we think, all the good things and all the bad things. He knows exactly what you're thinking right now. And so our, our enemy also knows this, and so he tempts us, and, our, and the temptation affects our minds. And this is how his lies go. His lies... Our, he shoots lies at us that our bodies crave, their temptation, and those lies promise happiness and satisfaction. And our eyes might see that temptation, and our mind might think, wait, is that true? Now, Satan's super tricky. He doesn't actually code it as a lie. How many people like caramel apples? Yeah, aren't caramel apples really good? That gooey outside part that tastes so good. Well, you could get a caramel apple but you don't really know what it looks like inside. 
So Satan's carameled apples are like a beautiful outside, but inside there's only rottenness in there. And that, that's what Satan is selling to us when he lies. He promises, he promises that it's going to be great, but it really is not going to be great. And one lie, he wants those who've trusted in Jesus as their personal Savior to believe that if you sin, you're actually going to lose your salvation. But God's word tells us this, that for though, there is that, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, once you become a child of God, you're always God's child. You don't have to worry about being condemned for your sin anymore. God only sees Christ's righteousness on you. And God's word also tells us that when Jesus gives us eternal life, he says that no one can snatch us out of his hand. That's John 10, 28. Not Satan. Not an evil spirit, not any person, not even ourselves can snatch us out of Christ's hand. He has us and will always have our salvation for us. So in this battle against Satan, we need to put on our helmet of salvation to protect our minds so that we can see the reality of the lies that Satan shoots at us. So no matter what Satan shoots at us, that helmet of salvation is there to protect us and help us understand the lies that he's shooting. All right, I need another volunteer who wants to volunteer you want to come up and pick one yeah pick one of these cards for me will you you can do it oh your sister's going to come and help nice pick one. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, you picked the breastplate of righteousness thank you you can go back and have a seat the breastplate of righteousness wow that's an important, that goes, that goes along with what we just talked about. The breastplate of righteousness. What is righteousness? Well, first of all, the breastplate of righteousness protects this area of our body. What's, it, what's the most important vital organ that's right in this area? Our hearts. So the breastplate protected us, the, protects the heart physically, but we need protection spiritually. We need protection for our heart, and that protection is righteousness now righteousness means to be made right and have a right standing before god okay and again remember none of us are born with that right standing in fact you can't buy righteousness you don't inherit it from your parents the only way you have righteousness is through christ's righteousness Jesus is the only righteousness that's available for us so to have a right standing before god we must allow God to put Christ on us, his righteousness over our sin. And we have to put on the breastplate of righteousness, Christ's righteousness, so that we can stand in God's perfect presence. That's what is required for us to stand before God. However, our enemy, Satan, wants to deceive us. And when we fail to live correctly before God, he wants to remind us of those bad things that we have done. And he's going to tell us, listen, you don't deserve to be in God's presence. He's going to tell us that we're a failure. We should just give up now. And he's also going to try and tempt us so that our heart would go after and love something else besides God. But Christ's righteousness protects our heart against Satan's deceptions. We can, when we stand in Christ's righteousness, we have the power to say no to Satan's lies. And we can see through Satan's lies 
as we stand in the Christ's righteousness. So how do we put on that righteousness? Well, first we have to trust completely in the only source of righteousness, which is Christ. We need to trust completely that Jesus is God, that he died for our sins, and that he came back to life again, and he's done everything that we need to have Christ's righteousness. And when we do that, God promises to take care of all of our sin and place them on Jesus, and he's going to give us Christ's righteousness like that verse I already read. And if you've not trusted in Jesus to save you from your sin and give you this righteousness, you can do that today. All right, I need someone else to come up and pick, pick one. All right, cool. You got four. Nice, nice. She picked the belt of truth. Oh, the belt of truth is very important. It's super important. In fact, the King James Version says to gird up your loins. The ESV says to fasten on the belt of truth. Okay? Basically, the belt goes around here, and it protects our lower parts, which we treat with dignity and protection. And Paul says this area is protected by truth. Now, truth is not just a concept. It's not just a value or a theory, or an idea, truth is a person. The person is Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, he, said, he tells people, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. He always will be. And he can be your truth as well. Truth is one of our greatest protections against Satan's greatest weapons, which are lies. Jesus says in John 8, that Satan is the father of lies. It was his lie that convinced Eve to actually sin against God that brought sin into our world. So, and when we choose to follow Satan's lies, we choose not to trust in Jesus, who is the truth, and we choose not to trust his word, which is true. So how do we put on truth? Well, remember, truth is a person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is and always will be God. He is Lord. So without his lordship in our lives, we have no access to real truth. That means we must choose to follow him and live in him and let him have total control of our lives. When we follow Jesus... We have to say no to evil things that our flesh want. We can't say, I love Jesus, he is my Lord and Savior, and choose not to listen to him. In his word, he, he, we must really put on the truth. We do that by studying his word, reading it, memorizing it, and living it all the time. Every day, we have a choice to make. Will we walk in Christ, in his truth, or not. And when we do, we put on the belt of truth, the person of Jesus Christ. All right, I need another volunteer. Sonia over here, really quick, quick. All right. Nice, all right. Smarticus talked about this, the shield of faith. The shield of faith is another important piece that we have. Now, it protects us. What it, what it, you, you stand behind your shield so that things don't hit you. So then the Romans were fighting. 
they would stand in what was called a shield wall. They would, they would stand shield to shield, and there would be like a line of men, and then there would be another line, and maybe six or seven deep, all standing together. Now, the, the Roman shield was actually made out of wood and animal hide. And the enemy knew that. You know what they would do? They would shoot fire arrows at their shields. And so if, if the stuck to your shield and it's made out of wood, what's it going to do? Burn, right. And you're standing right next to another guy with a wooden shield. And so if yours is burning, what's going to happen to the other people? He's going to move his shield away and then it's going to make a gap in the shield wall, right? Bad. So they knew that. You know what they would do before the war would start? They would take their shield and they would dip it in water because wet wood doesn't burn. Okay, and so they knew that. So our enemy is shooting flaming darts at us. And what are those flaming darts? Those are his lies that he tried to get us to believe. And he works hard at this. Many times those lies look really good to us and they're very tempting. He might try to get us to look at something that we're not supposed to look at or to go someplace that we're not supposed to go or to hang around with friends who will get us to do what we know we are not supposed to do. Satan's lies never tell the full punishment of the result of believing and acting upon those lies. In fact, he knows how hurtful they are, but he never reveals that to us. He wants us to get caught in those lies. He wants to, to, us to hurt us as much as possible. His lies promise fun. They, he promises that we're going to have good feelings and happiness, but really what they bring to us is hurt, death, and destruction. And like those Roman soldiers, we need to bathe our shield daily in the word of God, which is truth, so we can stand against the lies of the devil. And why is it called the shield of faith? Well, what is faith? Well, the Bible tells us that faith is this. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, that was super clear, wasn't it? Let me explain. Faith really means trusting God completely with your whole self, with your mind, your heart, and all your emotions. And even though you can't see what God has promised you, you live as if that is absolutely true. So what we believe about God and what he has said will determine what we, what we believe when Satan shoots those lies at us. God's word tells us that God is good. But if something bad happens in your life and you don't believe that God is good, when Satan shoots his lie and says to you, listen, I told you God is not good, what are you going to believe? God's word tells us that God is faithful. If you don't believe God is faithful when something bad happens in your life, Satan's going Satan's to tell you, oh, I told you God is not faithful to his promises. What are you going to believe? Faith gives us the confidence to say to Satan in those situations, I know you said that God's not good and God's not faithful, but I'm sticking to God's promises that he is good and he is faithful, and I'm going to live like this is true all the time. We need that shield of faith all the time. Without that shield of faith, we would have nothing to deflect those fiery darts that Satan shoots at us, his lies. If you're here today and you haven't trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior, you don't have a shield of faith. You have nothing to stop those arrows. And that's a scary place to be in. Oh, I'm going to quickly choose one here. We're going to talk about the shoes of the gospel of peace. 
The shoes of the gospel of peace are super important. Because what do they do? All right, shoes were an important part. And as you saw, Duplicus was going to go into his flip-flops. <laughs> that was really, really important. What a Roman soldier wore on their feet was important. Remember, they were supposed to stand in a shield wall. All right? And if they, if they got pushed around in that shield wall, they couldn't stand firm. And so they would get pushed back and gaps would be. And so sometimes, actually, they would actually have spikes in their shoes. Have you ever played a sport with cleats on? Cleats are there to help you so your feet don't slip. Well, that's what they had. Well, Paul tells us that we need to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. What is Paul talking about? Well, peace is one of God's greatest character traits. God is a God of peace. He is the source of all peace. And when we trusted Jesus as our Savior, he then becomes our peace. He gives us peace that the world would never give us. And our enemy, Satan, doesn't want us to have peace. In fact, he wants us to worry. Because when we worry, we take our eyes off of Jesus and we start looking at our circumstances. We start trusting in our own strength and in our own wisdom, which is, which is flawed. And we forget that God is always with us. But God gives us the shoes of his peace to help us know that we belong to him and that we don't need to worry. And these shoes also help us to take the message of God's peace to those who don't have God's peace. You know, there are so many people around us that don't have God's peace. And we've got it because we've given it. Christ has given it to us. And so they're called the shoes of the gospel. The gospel is the good news. It's the news about what Jesus has done for us, that he's come and he died for our sins and he came back to life again. And God wants us to, to remember when we put on the shoes of the gospel peace, that means we are going to go out and we're going to meet people who need to hear that gospel message. And we can share that news with them. So then, listen, when you're putting on your shoes every day, think about putting on the shoes of the gospel of peace. And think about, hey, when I go out, am I ready to share that good news and tell others what Christ has done for me and tell them how they can put on Christ and how Christ can transform their lives? We need to keep the shoes of the gospel of peace on all the time. All right, we have one more, two more pieces. I forget to go. I know Sarah's over there. She's like, count, uh-oh, how many songs are we going to sing? <laughs> Finally, the offensive weapons, the sword of the spirit. Paul calls the sword of the spirit the word of God. We know that as the Bible, right? God's word is all-powerful. Nothing can stand against the power of God's word. In fact, God said, let there be stars. I mean, how big is a star? You can't stand next to a star. He said, let there be sun. That's how powerful. I can't speak stars and suns into space. Well, God's word can do it. It's super powerful. Okay? And so... It's our only offensive weapon that, he, that we have. And Jesus showed us how to use God's word while he lived here on earth. When Satan would try to, get, to tempt Jesus to do something that he shouldn't do, you know what Jesus used? He used the sword of the spirit against Satan. And you know what? Jesus didn't need to say to Satan, wait a second, let me go get my scroll so I can... He didn't need to because he, he inspired the word of God anyways. 
But, you know, just like that, we need to hide God's word in our heart so that the Bible, God's word, is always with us no matter where we are. So that when we're tempted to look at something that we're not supposed to look at, we can say to Satan, God's word says, I need to turn my eyes from worthless things. That's Psalm 119, 37. And when we're tempted to think that God is not faithful, we can tell Satan, but God said that, he said that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's Ecclesiastes 3, 22 and 23. And when we're tempted to think that God is not good because something bad happens, we can tell him that God's word says the Lord is good to all. That's Psalm 145, 9. The way we battle against lies is with truth. The Bible is also called a lamp unto our feet. It helps expose those lies that we see. And God's word exposes the lies and tells truthfully how we are to live. But listen, Satan, one of Satan's biggest lies is to tell people this. You can get to heaven if you're just good enough. That's not what God's word is. says that's a lie. God's word says that by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. The only way we get to heaven is through God's grace and faith and believing that Jesus is God, that he died for our sins, and that he came back to life again. God's word is so important. In fact, the writer of Hebrews said it was a lot like a sword. He said that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the divisions of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. My words don't have that power. Your words don't have that power. But God's word has that power because it is truth. Always, always keep God's word with you. Hide it in your heart so that you can use it when you need it for protection and defeating Satan's lies. There's one more weapon that we have, and that is found in verse 18, and that is prayer. Listen, it says in verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Prayer is one of those weapons that we have to battle against our enemy. Prayer is talking with God and listening to him as he speaks to us. And Jesus, again, he showed us how to have a prayer life and a successful prayer life as he lived on earth. He spent many hours talking to God and praying. Now, why would the Son of God spend so many hours talking to God when he was already God? Well, Jesus tells us in, in John chapter 5 that he listened what the Father was, he only did what the Father told him to do and what the Father showed him to do. So Jesus was talking to God the Father, and God was telling him what he had planned to do, and he was telling him, this is what I want you to do, and that's what Jesus did. Many times we think about our prayer life, and we think that prayer is just telling God what he should do and what we want him to do. It might look something like this. Hey, God, uh, I thought you like, might like to know that my friend, uh, you know, James, he's really sick. And if he doesn't get better soon, he's not going to be able to play in that soccer game that we have coming up next week. And it's a really important game. And he's one of our best players. Well, next to me, of course. But, uh, but if you could help him, that would be great. And um, oh, by the way, that math test that's coming up, 
if you could delay that a week or two, that would be great. I really don't understand what my math teacher's telling me. And, oh yeah, my birthday's coming up. And it would be great not to be sick on my birthday. And if I could get some really cool gifts this year, not like last year when Grammy gave me that itchy sweater. And, yeah, this next one, um, well, I'm not sure. Well, my Good News Club teacher says that I can tell you anything that's on my mind, so here it goes. There's this girl in my class. She's kind of pretty. Well, nicer looking than all the other ones, I think. Anyways, if you could make it just so I could spend a little bit of time alone with her, I'd like to ask her to come to my party because I think she would bring a really cool gift. I mean, her parents being rich and all. Yeah, well, uh, that's pretty much it. And if I can think of anything later, uh, I'll let you know. In Jesus' name, amen. I know, sometimes we're like, oh, that seems very childish. But what do our prayers seem like to God? What do they seem like to him? You see, prayer is a conversation between us and God. The most part of prayer is not telling God what he should do, but listening to him tell us what he wants us to do and how we should live. It's that conversation. When we converse with God, we need to realize that he is the most powerful being of the universe. He is the one who knows everything, who understands everything, who has all wisdom. And we should not be telling God what he should do, but we should be listening to him tell us what he is doing and how we can join him in what he is doing. Prayer is powerful. In the book of James, James tells us this, the prayer of a righteous person has great power. It is working. That when we have on that breastplate of righteousness, our prayers have power as it is working. And when we pray, we admit that we don't have the answers, that God has the answers, and that we need to listen to him as he gives us the answers and trust him and walk by faith. If you've trusted Jesus as your personal savior, listen, he listens to you. He loves you. He hears your prayers. He has the best intentions always. Listen to him as he answers that prayer because his answer is always the best for us and he gets the glory. So we need to make sure that we always be in prayer because that's one of the weapons that we have in war. Well, that's our armor that we're going to wear. Remember, let's all say our memory verse together. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the themes of the devil. Ephesians 6, 11. Okay, so those are all the pieces of the armor. And did you see that they all reflect Christ Jesus, our Lord? Salvation, truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith. So when we put on the armor of God, we're really putting on Christ Jesus, our Lord. And this agrees with what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 13, verse 14. It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh or to gratify its desires. So we need to put, when we put on the armor of God, we put on Christ. And this agrees, Leon Morris said it this way, putting on Christ is a strong and vivid metaphor. It means more than putting on the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, signifying rather, let Jesus Christ himself be the armor that you wear. We need to put on the armor of God, which is Jesus Christ, every day, keeping it on throughout the day. I think our friends are coming back.
Wow, what a battle. I am so thankful that I had on the helmet because that gall, man, he swung that sword. I thought I was gonna lose an ear. And my, and my sword, my shield, protected me from all those arrows. There must have been millions of them. And my sword, well, I'm gonna have to take my, my armor into the armor repair shop and get a few more of my dents taken care of, but hey, you made it. You're standing, kind of. What happened to you? Well, I was right behind you for a minute or two, and then I slipped on the wet grass, you know. They really ought to make studded flip-flops for soldiers. Doc said I was pretty lucky. I only sprained my knee and my ankle. Well, if that's all that happened to you, how did you get all these other injuries? <laughs> my notebook didn't stop a single arrow. <laughs> and when that huge gall came at me with the ax, well, I whipped out my notebook and my pen, and I told him that the, so the pen is mightier than the sword. <laughs> Didn't work. <laughs> I thought he was going to just die laughing, but nope. So how did you survive? I saw that gall. He was enormous. I didn't think anything would stop him. Well, I tell you what. <laughs> he came at me with that ax, and he got shot in the back with an arrow from his own side. And, well, he fell on top of me. <laughs> uh, and, well, it's a good thing, too, because he had six more arrows in him, and they would have been into me if he wasn't on top. Wow. God must have really been watching out for you and taking care of you. Didn't I tell you not to take that bag into battle? Well, what's wrong with my bag? <sighs> Come on, let's go see the doctor. <sighs> All right, so every morning when you get up and you get dressed, think about putting on Christ the armor of God. After all, Christ has already defeated our greatest enemy, Satan. And Christ is God. And as God, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is no one. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you've showed us how to live for you. You don't just put us into this life and into this battle, and you, don't e and you equip us with everything that we need. May we be obedient and listen to you and every day put on the armor that we need to be protected against our greatest enemy, Satan, and his lies. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.